Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. There she is. He did it. I did it. I did the thing with the technology. Fucking technology, man. Yeah, how so? Uh, I just asked Joel uh, a minute ago, "How's reentry going?" Well, <laughs> if my computer turning on is any indication of how my reentry is going, it, it took like, a few minutes. I, I got the color wheel of death for ever. My computer was like, "You left me at home. You didn't open me for over a week. I'm not going to do anything you want me to do." And then my dog, who's been a super sweetheart for an entire seven day road trip decided to find one of my old disposable razors and chew the razor part off and then protect it <laughs> underneath the bed. And she kind of bit me as I was trying to get a razor from her mouth. That's wonderful. And I'm really trying, man. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. To be the shepherd. Yeah. How's that going? No, How's that going, Ringo? I've done no spiritual work this morning. I'm tired. It kind of sounds like you have, actually. Whew. welcome to the trying to be better <laughs> podcast with joel and steve everyone my name is joel and i'm steve and this is a podcast with any luck at all we did hit record and it will get aired so podcast wow wow mm-hmm. yeah yeah so re-entry i uh we didn't pod last week because uh i was i was in minneapolis minnesota on my way to the north shore of lake superior in minnesota how was the North Shore? So <clears throat> if uh, if anybody has the opportunity to go to the North Shore, up the up the shore, uh, North Shore, Minnesota, from like Duluth all the way up to like, shit, you can go all the way to Canada, any anywhere in there. During late September, early October, I highly recommend it. Because it's, pretty? Okay. Yes, the foliage, 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 sure, is unmatched. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The lake is beautiful. Mm-hmm. There are waterfalls every few miles. There are hiking. There's hiking. There's food. There's uh, there's a place called Betty's Pies in Two Harbors. That's where we stayed. That has she has great pie. I got. I went to a place in Grand Marie's. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Um, and the place was called World's Best Donuts. Uh-huh. I got a hat. You got it. So it was a good donut. It was a good donut. It was a donut so good that you bought one of the hats. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a lovely autumn getaway road trip. We drove from here straight up to Minneapolis, state of Minneapolis a couple nights and then drove from Minneapolis to Two Harbors, Minnesota and stayed there for 3 or 4 nights and then drove back to Clear Lake, Iowa, stayed there for a night and then just got back to Lincoln yesterday last night. Nice. What'd you do in Minneapolis? Did you go to Paisley Park? We did not. I don't think they allowed dogs in there. Oh. Uh <laughs> We did not go to pay. Well, I was in up in Minneapolis last month and I didn't go to Paisley Park either. Yeah. Right. Kind of. I've been listening didn't... to a little uh, early Prince lately. 
somehow I missed that whole thing. I, I feel a little remiss. You missed. Well, there's no being late to the party when I it comes understand to music. That, but I feel like had I listened to Prince uh, prior to like, you know, the albums before like Purple Rain, I feel mm-hmm. like my adolescence would have been a lot more interesting. Oh, you would have learned a lot. <laughs> right. I was hip to Prince. My mom is a Prince fan. Like I, we listened to Prince. Like I remember we all kind of gave her a hard time, you know, then, but looking back, that was a pretty hip mom thing to do was to blast Prince in the house. Love it. Yeah. Prince is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess my, I guess, yeah. My memories with Prince start with purple rain though, too. Sure. You know? Well, that was his entry into the mainstream. So, yeah. What was it? He, he was, was he funkier early on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Disco funk. Oh, okay. Funk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Really, really great. One of my favorite, not that I want to give Eric Clapton any credit because he's an asshat, but um, he did say many years ago, like, if you ever want to know what direction music is heading, just listen to what Prince is doing. Mm. Yeah, he was right. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got that one right funk soul he even got a little hip hoppy there mm-hmm. in the well, mid to yeah. late 80s sure mm-hmm. yeah i uh speaking of mid to late 80s uh my highlight of my last week wasn't a trip to you know a cool place in minnesota but i did go see the 40th anniversary reissue of stop making sense in the in, um, at the Reed yeah. Ross theater nice and it was awesome yeah it was awesome. The I wish I could have seen it in IMAX, but whatever. The Reaper Ross is fine, and they got a new uh, sound system in there that is phenomenal. Mm, good, and uh, just speakers everywhere, and the remastering was fantastic. I mean, the whole thing. And I, you know, my fourteen-year-old daughter went with us and uh, loved it, which is a huge win. And it really kind of struck me as is about halfway through it, like the, it doesn't feel dated at all. Because there's no there's no fashion of the eighties in it. It was talking heads fashion. Yeah, right. It was mm-hmm. they were blazing their own thing, you know, right. and by them I mean mostly David Byrne. Um, but uh uh yeah, it was fantastic. And then on the and there weren't very many people, and here's a funny thing, you'll appreciate this. Um, like we were the only people in the theater when we got there, and I'm like, yes, because I either <laughs> wanted it to be totally empty or a dance party packed. Sure. Right. partying you know yeah and i bet we went to the five o'clock show but the nine o'clock show would have been a little bit more full lively you know. yeah yeah and uh then this kind of this you know whatever late 60s early 70s couple people groups couple couples walk in and then like shortly like kind of as the lights were starting to go down and i'm already sitting there thinking like great this is you know i'm you know for, I, i'm thinking about how frank Cheska, my daughter's thinking about it you know right right like, oh great this is you know obviously a hip place to be you know <laughs> you know and uh and then i swear to god this really old couple started with, with the guy had a walker and it it took them about 10 minutes to get to a seat yeah and it was it was painful like i felt bad for just the entire situation and then i don't but i mean it was one of those things you could if you were making a movie like a satire of what you know, a bunch of people going to see a 40 year old reissue would look like yeah. <laughs> that would have been in it. If it was a Christopher guest movie, like yeah. the young, the young person that was dragged there by their parents, you know, thinking, great, this is awesome. And then to have 
that you could just film the whole thing in real time just yeah. to make it totally uncomfortable. Yeah. This person very like at a pace that could best be described as glacial. Right. Making their way to the seat, you know? And then of course they're sitting in like, what? <laughs> like, Oh my God. They ended up leaving. But uh, that was, it was just kind of comical. Yeah. Just the, like the whole scene, but the movie was phenomenal. Mm. The music was phenomenal. Seeing it on the big screen was phenomenal. Mm. And uh, it was just amazing. And then on the way out, uh, one of the older couples, uh, just people, you know, I just, we kind of made eye contact. There weren't very many. There was like six of us in the theater, you know, 10 yeah. maybe. And as we were kind of coming out the, the, I just made eye contact. I'm like, well, that was, you know, a good time. And they're like, yeah. And we started talking and they, um, talk about small cosmos used to go see the talking heads at cbgb in the late 70s oh wow and blondie and the ramones yeah and right yeah like they wow. were they weren't they were there you know right <laughs> like, i asked the guy i'm like did uh was it like did it did this make you happy was it good to see it and he kind of went you know it did he thought he said i thought it was going to make me sad but i feel good you wow. know, just because so much time yeah. has passed, or we didn't really yeah. get into that, but they were just far out. And uh, I want to, I think I wanted to, I'm going to see if they will come on the pod and just talk about all that. Oh, yeah. That mm -hmm. would be excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they you got, you, know, you got their information. I did. Yeah. We're friends on Facebook now. And uh, I'm not going to say names just because we haven't talked about it, but uh, um, uh, they were just super cool and they are cool. And uh, they're musician people here in Lincoln and uh, art people like you would expect you know but uh i don't know what i would expect but it makes sense is what i'm saying stop, and uh stop making sense dude. exactly yeah thank you um da -dum bump uh <laughs> but yeah they you know it's kind of funny uh they commented on on facebook like we met this younger couple and i'm like oh we're younger younger people you know you're the younger couple <laughs> who, who this felt they said like their perceptions like we were looking at them like they're from another planet and so i just responded i'm like well i was a little starstruck you know like that yeah. music that area i mean that's i like it a lot you know that whole situation i've only seen it in picture books and videos yeah. you know i've right. never talked to anybody that actually saw the talking heads at cbgb right yeah you know, that's a whole right. different situation, you know? Right. And so, uh, I was just really delightful to meet them and, and, uh, kind of start a, you know, something resembling a, just a connection, you know, with, right. People. It's, a, I, I did a play with this guy, uh, Jacob who, uh, in, in LA, who is probably a few years older than me, but he lived in Seattle during the sort of fever pitch pre pre um commercialization of the grunge era and i grunge remember tip. sitting yeah i remember sitting with him on breaks just like uh, starry-eyed like mm -hmm. you saw you saw them and you saw them and you were mm -hmm. there when they did that and you know i'm sure it was a, a similar vibe of those folks in new york at that time because that wasn't a long period of time before it got mm -hmm. out of whack right it was yeah. just a very slim amount yep a couple of years yeah, just a couple years and it like changed everything. Yep. And that yeah, it would be really fascinating to talk to them. Well, cuz like my introduction to Blondie was the tide is high. Right. As like a 12-year-old, you <laughs> right. know. Yeah. Then you start digging into the back catalog and their history is like holy shit. Yeah. And can we just 
pause for a moment to reflect on Debbie Harry for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. All that and a bag of chips. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they didn't, it it was the same. It was the same theatrical release. They just enhanced, they just like revamped the sound, remastered Mm -hmm. the sound and the remastered the video 4k, you know, Wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. such a that's such a piece of theater that like well it's, it was directed by Jonathan Demi. I mean it is a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And just the 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 arc that mm-hmm. the performance takes mm-hmm. is so cool. Mm-hmm. And it stands up even now. Like even with the stuff that he did with his Broadway show, did you see that? American Utopia. Yeah, like that Very that cool. whole like very like the aesthetic of everything i'm like mm-hmm. you know seeing that i'm like yeah that's kind of what he does and like seeing watching stop making sense it's this beautiful wave that builds and builds and builds and, with just and then props the and things and then it gets a weird. little bit and then it hits you again yeah yeah mm-hmm. and the sheer athletic ability of all of the, those musicians to go mm-hmm. that hard for that like well, yeah. you know chor- choreographed dancing jumping around running like running <laughs> running in place for two hours yeah <laughs> yeah i got to see david byrne in 92 i think at the greek theater in berkeley which is a yeah. whole other situation yeah um it's a you know much uh, revered venue um and uh, it was very similar in, well, what he did was, and there's video on YouTube about this, but the ticket just said an evening with David Byrne, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, whatever, we're in, right? And we went down there and uh, and he walks out just exactly like in, in, in Stop Making Sense. He just walked out on this bare stage. There was just like, you know, a whatever a theater like the blue the red velvet theater curtain behind him i think yeah. it's purple but you know what i'm talking about like that was yeah. the backdrop just very austere mm-hmm. austere am i saying that right sure drip down walks out with the boom box everybody's like oh look he's doing the boom box thing mm-hmm. and he played like you know i mean after a couple songs we kind of thought maybe somebody else would come out on stage you know like in yeah. some making sense and he played like five or six songs seven maybe and by that time we had kind of like we being everybody at the Greek theater, four or 5,000 people were like, maybe it is just an evening with David Byrne. Great. Like this is yeah. okay. Great. This is nice. You know? Yeah. And as soon as you could feel that collective, like, no, oh, well, this is what it is. The curtain drops full band behind the curtain <laughs> and they <laughs> launch into Mr. Jones from their last album with a big horn hit, you know, bah, 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 right. Yeah. And everybody, yeah. it just blew us all. Because he he made it go far enough that we gave up on the idea of there being a band. Yeah. And then hit us at 110 decibels with a band. Yeah. And it was amazing. And and it, I was like, that is awesome because he he's he knows the story he's telling. Yeah. Right. He knows he knows the audience trick that he's playing, and it's and it's like the theatricality of that is so fun and so mm-hmm. interesting. And he know mm-hmm. he doesn't never. He, you know, for, I get the sense that he doesn't forget that when he's performing. Nope. And the other thing, too, that like is cool, at, you know, in 1992, it's not like you could go on some website right. and find that and, out. And like you had right. no idea that like there was no nobody idea. that knew. No clue. No. And and just the fact that they had, I mean, it was probably a, you know, it was full like rhythm section, couple guitars, horn section, keyboards, all of that. 
nobody had any idea that was behind that curtain. Yeah. Right. They were yeah. just sitting back there. And it literally nice. like, I mean, I, I distinctly remember looking at my buddy who both of us had been talking heads fans for a decade at that point, you know, it was a big moment for us, but we, we went through the, Oh, he's doing the stop making sense thing to like, is this all this is going to be? Yeah. To eh, this might be all it's going to be. And yeah, frankly, it's like, this is kind of intimate and cool. And I yeah. guess we'll settle in, you know? Yeah. Right. And then wham. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a dance party for the next two hours yeah you know yeah <laughs> it was right amazing on. it was that amazing is cool. uh -huh. i i am sad that i missed i saw that like well there were two things that were happening in the area that i was i was sacrificing by going up poor me going up poor to the Joel. north shore minnesota but that was one of them because i really did want to see that and i i don't know if i'll be able to see it in that context um the other thing was bad religion played Omaha. Oh yeah, I saw that Friday night. I'm like, God damn it! Right. I don't know how long those guys are going to get to do that, but that would have been great. But that's mm -hmm. cool. You got to see that dude because you were you were somebody who made me re. I'm like I'd heard the Talking Heads, right? I'm sure right. my sister played them when I was a kid, and you know, there's songs that you just kind of know. And I, I was right. kind of thought these guys are weird. Like, ah, eh, they're right. fun. They're kind of weird. I'm not going to really look back at them. Right. But I think it was you playing like burning down the house and shit at, at, you know, when you DJed stuff from stop making sense, right? Yes. You yeah. played that version. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking, Oh, I need to go check these guys out again. Yeah. And then hard, I, when I first time I watched stop making sense, I was blown away just by the whole mm -hmm. production of it. Well, that was, I was talking to this couple after the show, like the thing that like, I obviously didn't get to see him at CBGB's, but the thing that, cause I first heard of the talking heads when speaking in tongues came out because mm -hmm. there was a neighbor kid of mine that was a year older than me that had that. Yeah. And, uh, and what that, what I, the way I described it to these people was they kind of, they were very much at the entry point. There were some other things happening too, but that where I started to, as I put it, get saved from townie rock, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Like it was like uh, for them it, for, with the talking heads, it was the realization and like, Oh, they're singing about interesting things. Yeah. And sometimes like about nothing, you about know? Nothing. Yeah. Like cities and more songs about buildings and food. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's like, Oh, you don't have to like every fucking song doesn't have to be about love or sex right. or, you know, Yep. Or Jesus. <laughs> even the even the Jesus, even the yeah, heaven is a place where nothing happens. Nothing happens. Yeah, right. Like and that, that, that I've, and, and it could be so exciting and so much fun. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You got to see that, man. That's yeah, really, was, I'm I'm a little jealous. You should be. I, I am. I'm a little jealous of your Minnesota trip. I did some work up in northern Minnesota on the on the Mississippi, a little town called Winona. Um, Winona, yeah. Winona, right on the river, and uh, I was it's just beautiful up there. I love it. Mosquitoes the size of Volkswagens, but so that's it's great. That's what that's what Kirsten told me after I did the um, the stereotypical nearing middle age. Uh, uh, middle class white guy thing on vacation where I said, you know, I could live here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I, do, I do it every time. I was like, oh, right. you know what? I could live here. I'm going to look at. Uh, yeah. So but that's what Kirsten said. She's like, apparently 
in the summer up there, it's almost unbearable because of the mosquitoes are it's, so bad. I was there it's, in the summer and they are huge. They're the size of like hummingbirds. Jesus. Yeah. They're it's real. Like it's and they're everywhere and it sucks. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the picturesque winter might be nice. Fall uh, might be if nice. You really enjoy sub-zero temperatures. Yeah. That's real too. So yeah. not, the, not the not the not that the weather in Lincoln, Nebraska is idyllic all the time, but uh, it's the the extremes are even more so up there. It doesn't get quite as hot, but the mosquitoes make up for it. Like that's not a joke; it's real. And that would suck. Like I avoid one of my favorite places in this vicinity is Wilderness Park. I avoid mm-hmm. Wilderness Park in the month of July for that very reason. Mosquitoes. Yeah, I don't even Awful. go near it. Awful. I don't go near it. Yeah. If I'm riding my bike by it, I go as fast as I can. Right. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it was, dude, it was, I mean, if you ever get the chance to drive up the shore in I, late September, early October, hot, I mean, I it, love there's it like, there. there's resorts, there's cat, mm-hmm. like you can, you can stay in the night. Like we, we ordered takeout from this place that, um, was a resort and that had a restaurant and we we're driving up and there's like, you know, these rentable cabins, mm-hmm. quote unquote, mm-hmm. and they looked like fucking you know three hundred four hundred thousand dollar houses oh right you know they're like rental it's like a resort so you can you can stay really nice up there Mm -hmm. are we just we got a little airbnb that was kind of you know it was perfect it was cheap and it was perfect and it looked like a cabin and very dog friendly and you can stay cheap or you can stay high end and you know the hiking is oh it was so great i mean you can hike long hikes or you can do little you know half mile mile two mile round trip loops up to there's like water i mean there was one we went to that was just called a it was called like a wayside it wasn't even like a park mm-hmm. we just pulled off and kirsten read about it We're like yeah do you just walk about a mile up and back and we walked up and it's like unassuming nobody's there you walk up and there's just this huge cascading waterfall and you can keep I saw walking that picture. that's amazing and it was just like what yeah <laughs> it was awesome yeah i and kirsten and i were talking about like that like having the dog with us like maven did really well i'm very grateful that she the thing was the like when we got back into nebraska from omaha to lincoln she was like done she was kind right. of panting she was like i want guys, out of the car i want out of this fucking car. Out of the car if i get into another if i have to get adjust myself to another airbnb i'm gonna fucking lose it you know but you may have been projecting that a little bit totally was totally okay. am giving her voice yeah anyway 99 percent of the trip she did great and uh well i don't even know what i was saying it was just great it was just a really like oh kirsten was saying like i think it was that year and a half ish of us adjusting how we travel and how we do things in covid that taught us how to travel with a dog you know like how to enjoy eating outside and taking things to go and finding hikes and staying in airbnbs and that sort of thing like it was it was great it was perfect highly recommend highly recommend yeah it was great and i'm rocked you're rocked i'm rocked you need a vacation from your vacation dude i don't want to do it i want to go i don't want to i don't want to go back to my real life steve how do we monetize this so that i don't have i can dude i don't have to work how long have we been doing this two and a half years if it was are you saying if it was going to happen it would have happened by now not necessarily what i'm saying is that there are steps that we can take like actions that we can take 
to further the possibility of that happening. But see, then it's going to turn into work. So then we have to decide. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is this going to become a job? Is this going to become a vocation? Mm. Right. Or is it going well, to I... just, you know, roll out of bed on Sunday morning or whatever? <laughs> Well, our, I was really, our, I mean, I was just leisure. looking forward to this because I hadn't connected to you in over, right. you no, know, I, like, I'm I, like, I, I feel you, man. It's like, oh yeah, I want it to be that. Yeah. I guess we'll keep the day job so that we can enjoy the See, fun of this. That's, that's how it, that's, that's the conundrum. You know, that's always the artist's conundrum is it do really I, is. do I cut, do I cut the straight job to put everything I've got into maybe making it? Hmm. that's funny though because my straight job is artistic well and you're kind of blessed in that regard i don't want to i understand i see but that's i don't want to that's the conundrum joel right i'm able to like my job is my job that's it right i don't there's i mean there is a certain amount of art to it tell you guys i sent you guys that video i made yeah right (laughs) (laughs) i made an instructional video you know yeah. In my office, I taught myself how to use this video editing software, and it took me like two hours to make that. So that was kind of, it was, you know, it was kind of and artistic. You got, you got to do some acting recently. I did. You were an active, you were the Nerf gun active shooter. That's true. Well, thank you. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that. I blocked it out of my consciousness. <laughs> yeah. We had an active shooter drill at my pace of employment, and I was the shooter. I had this insane Nerf gun, like an automatic rifle Nerf gun thing that another coworker provided. And uh, yeah, I got a few people before I got taken out. Who was it? Like the sheriff was there, his, you know, a couple deputies, the whole nine yards. What was the, what was the insight from that? What was that like? I'll tell you the thing that was really mo all the, well, first I want to talk a little bit about the reason for it, which is that healthcare workers are getting attacked God, in their places of employment. Uh, because people are fucking insane and everybody can have guns for no reason now. Um, And, uh, oh, and by the way, doctors are evil and money grubbing and they are just shills for big pharma and blah, 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 blah. And uh, so, yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Where was I going with that? Oh, right. So, I mean, but it's like the numbers are going up with providers getting shot in their offices. Um, So that's cool. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just make a, a broad general assumption that the Venn diagram of people who don't believe COVID is real and people who shoot their providers is one circle. It's a circle. Yeah. And, one uh, circle. so anyway, so that's why we did this. Um, and the takeaways were that we had a couple, there was a lot of communication around it. Everybody knew it was going to happen. I mean, it was mm-hmm. kind of a surprise, but kind of not a surprise. There's a very specific time window when I was going to come walking through the from people didn't know it was me. Most people didn't um, just that something was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was some anxiety, man. It made some people worried just because people are going to people. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we did as much communication as we could around like look this is a drill but we need you know please take it seriously like because guess what the next one might not be nerf yeah and when you're in that position you might remember two or three things that could save you and others lives 100 if, yeah. you, if your body hasn't done it your brain isn't going to tell you to do it right and right. so um 
so what happened was I, we kind of staged off. There was like the, there was a part of the facility that really can't be interrupted that, that we kind of staged in. That was out of the field of play. But then, so I walked around the building with my automatic Nerf rifle and, a, and another one in my vest and, uh, and pockets full of Nerf bullets. Wow. And I just walked in the front door and started shooting. And, wow. uh, yeah. And, uh, what was, amazing or impressive i guess my takeaway from it was that people took it really seriously and did an excellent job of running and hiding oh wow Um, like within i would say a couple not even two minutes of me walking in there the place turned into a ghost town wow Mm -hmm. and i i mean i know people were hiding underneath their desks i know people were hiding behind locked doors i shot the front end supervisor who after the event, she's like, you didn't kill me. I was just wounded. But she was <laughs> she was wounded enough that I was able to grab her ID badge and then go start letting myself into offices. Oh, wow. That would ordinarily be locked. Yeah. Um, but like there was a department that barricaded themselves inside of an office door that had no window. And I I went up to it and started pushed. I went because I like the original plan was that I was kind of gonna just go a couple places, right? Mm-hmm. But I realized very quickly that. Like I was already there. I'd been there 30 seconds and I'd already been to those places. I'm like, screw it. I'm I'm just going around, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I walked into kind of the leadership admin room and there was a lady standing there making copies. I shot her. Wow. Just, and then I went around the corner and there were a couple of people down and they literally screamed and ran out the back door. Oh, wow. And uh, then I went back around and another guy comes walking in. He like, and this is kind of funny because he was like, he kind of went off script and mm-hmm. got killed. Mm-hmm. he didn't stick to the plan and i shot him mm-hmm. and uh he would have been fine if he would have stayed with his group wow mm-hmm. and so and then after i don't know i like i made i covered a lot of ground and i checked a bunch of doors and got another person and uh and then the sheriff came in and i was killed i i think it's i think it's it sucks that we have to do that level of training and drilling yes. mm-hmm but I think that I don't, I guess I don't know how that would go over on the college campus that I work at. I feel like there might be a certain level of silliness with students. Some students, some students would take it very seriously. Right. But there's not a week that goes by where I don't at least think about where I would hide in Mm -hmm. my building. Well, I I think that's literally something to think about. I think about it all the time. I know exactly Mm -hmm. where I'd go. Mm -hmm. I know, I know I like three places I would go where I know I could be behind at least one or two locked doors and, and in place, especially in a theater building, you know, the nooks and crannies that right. people don't think about where to go. Uh, unless they've been a student there. Yikes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of merit to um, putting people in those sort of controlled yet, somewhat alarming or scary environments mm-hmm. to kind of get like you said the the like if your body hasn't done it your brain's not going to think of it yep and it, yeah. I, I was blown away i was genuinely impressed with the entire organization at how seriously people took it and how uh the level of ingenuity i think mm-hmm. you know of how mm-hmm. where people hid and because we mm-hmm. didn't debrief you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was just i mean all in all 
um it was a couple hours i mean there was a lot of planning that went into it many discussions and meetings and i mean it was really taken very seriously by all parties we didn't just throw it together you know yeah we had yeah. input from the law local law enforcement and it was uh it was i mean again i hate everything about it but it was really cool that is an interesting point though it's like i hate it too but i it's like you can't stick your head in the sand nope. and say that it's not going to happen or that it couldn't happen where either of us work in smaller towns you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it absolutely could well and, and i uh and i have to speak in general terms but generally speaking the level of oh stick a pin in well-being initiative um okay. uh but the general level of distress in the community is rising yeah and for a variety of reasons some of it is um you know uh caused by fox news uh, <laughs> some of it is caused uh by uh lack of resources some of it is caused by opiate addiction and and yeah. meth mm. and the combination of those two things and um you know we we we're seeing a rise in um situations where we can no longer provide services to people mm. because they're simply either a unreasonable to the point that we just can't have them in the facility or um like their problem is just addiction. Yeah. Right. And so we've had to terminate Ugh. care for people that, you know, start getting really angry when we won't prescribe them things like they think we should be prescribing them for their mystery stomach ailment. But that's like, I mean, we, that's a whole can of worms too, but the fact that we have overburdened our medical facilities to take care of, uh addiction services because we've denied a lot of institutions the ability to actually address the problem right yeah i mean then then the the emergency departments or doctors and nurses become the only conduit to receive any level of life-saving care for folks that are just battling addiction not quote unquote just battling addiction but you know what i mean it's like you've overburdened a thing that can't really fix the thing and right. there's but there's no other there's no other no I mean, other mechanism the, well but so i said stick a pin in well-being initiative yeah that's true that's we'll, true we'll pivot uh because uh our friend and past guest uh sadie um, and kirsten mm -hmm. and kirsten thank you yes and uh some other people that we know um are involved or work with or for the or have founded the uh well-being initiative organization in lincoln yeah and uh, I went to their kind of grand opening deal last Friday. Yeah. It's what they've got going on over there. It's just amazing. Yeah. Kier Kirsten is now, Kirsten is the director of the wellness and education center, which was the grand opening. They got huge amounts of grant money to open this public space, right? Kirsten, mm -hmm. they planned the grand opening and Kirsten already had time off. And she's like, well, have fun. I'm going to be out of town. <laughs> I'm gonna be gone. Know? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, but, I went and represented. Thank you. Yeah. But the, uh, um, one of the people that works there, our friend, Melissa, um, she came down. Well, I know what, what started this was I was having a, a conversation with the provider about a situation where we were going to have to terminate care. And it was just, it was kind of just shitty, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. you know, 
I know an organization whose entire mission is to work with these people. Yeah. As kind of a last stop, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. will be proactive. They will reach out to these people. And so Melissa came down to the, to where I work and, and gave a presentation to all of med staff. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Saying, Hey, if you have somebody in this situation, reach out to us because think- you may not be able to continue to provide care but we can try to. So I think what 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 the well-being initiative does and what one of their huge uh, components of their work is, I think they, what do they call them? The recovery navigators or addiction navigators? What are they? Uh, I, I should I'm know not, this. Kirsten says it all the time. I'm such yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hazard a guess. But essentially it's like straight up street outreach, one-on-one mm-hmm. peer. Very similar to what Matt Martinowski does. Yeah. It's like venue. Yeah, it's it's peer to peer. It's not like it's not clinical in any nope. way, in in a way. It's just people that have been through the ringer and of, of addiction, connecting to other people who are currently battling that thing. And there's some umbrella of of um, official services, you know. Yes, these these people are out there essentially doing street outreach yep. to folks that you know need need that that fill that gap, like we said, that where it's like. The medical community, because of the lanes that are given to them, can't do that sort of. Uh, well, they, and, don't, and they he, don't. That's not what they went to school for. It's not their reason for existing. And it's also unbound by um, the level of of like psych services, right? Like mental health, um, like official practitioners and clinicians can't really reveal their past. Right. So there's like this boundary where these these recovery navigators can say, hey, I am sober for three years or whatever. Mm -hmm. I've been through this and I work with this thing and I have some training and I'm here to put you in touch with other recovery groups or maybe be able to much like the 12 step programs get that that level of like, oh, wait, this person actually knows what I'm going through. Yeah. From right. a from a personal level, they didn't right, that you know spend identification. A half a day, they didn't spend a half a day in a class about alcoholism. Right? No, they've they've <laughs> lived it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that um, well being initiatives doing some very cool stuff, and I highly encourage anybody listening to check them out and throw them a couple bucks because yeah, uh, the, it's very cool. It is cool. Like they've they've actually and and what's cool to see too because I have a. a a backstage view because Kirsten works there mm-hmm. with, with, so she's transitioning to sort of be, and has been the director of the wellness and education center. So they've gotten huge amounts of grant money. I don't mm-hmm. know that I can disclose how much, but just the mere fact that there are millions of dollars flowing to organizations like that to do that kind of work tells me that there's some glimmer sliver of hope Hmm. that there, you know what I mean? Because the, the wellness and education center, it's like a rentable space, but it's also Mm -hmm. a safe place for these groups to meet recovery groups, mental health groups, support groups, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they have space and resources Mm -hmm. for people like that who have been unfortunately, or maybe just because of the system been denied, like, Hey, we can't continue to provide care because what you need is not what we do. Right. There are places that these folks can find that. Mm-hmm. And like what Matt Marnowski is doing with the law enforcement. I mean, I feel like hopefully those two sort of things will 
continue to grow mm-hmm. and there will that vacuum won't be as or we can just you know ramp up the pr- imprisoning of the unhoused yeah exactly making homelessness a felony basically right i mean because there's money to be made there too well, so those for-profit prisons aren't going to fill themselves <laughs> think of the shareholders think of yeah i mean we can't legalize marijuana because that's just there's just too many uh black and brown folks to imprison because it's just too <laughs> perfect we can't what are we gonna do we, we gotta fill what about, these what about the frat boys Joel? oh my god <laughs> well good night everybody there uh i was thinking about that and this what about, is a, what about brock turner who's brock turner he's the guy that raped the girl behind the garbage dumpster and left her for oh dead my and then god. Got caught. yeah and, and then, then became got... like became like a clown for that whole like white privileged male misogynistic privileged bullshit yeah rape culture nonsense mm-hmm right yeah Uh anyway sorry hard tangent hard tangent but there's there's no tangents i I actually one of the kirsten signed up for uh audible to get a free credit yeah yeah. so we could listen to a book on the way home Mm -hmm. and uh as as ridiculous as he is um seth rogan's autobiography Mm -hmm. uh called yearbook we listened to that Mm -hmm. was it good he, he addresses a lot of really poignant social issues in I that. Don't think, I, I think Seth Rogen has made a, a, a career out of looking ridiculous. Yeah. But I don't think he's ridiculous. I think he's really smart. He's super smart. I mm-hmm. mean, he makes no bones about the fact that he smokes weed every day, all yeah, day yeah. long, right? Total gooner. Gooner. But, but the thing is, like, he he got into it just sort of not dumbly, but just sort of like I'm an, I'm a normal guy and I'm going to ask some questions and I happen to be a celebrity. So I'm going to ask these questions of mm-hmm. the former CEO of Twitter back when like oh, wow. Trump was tweeting all that bullshit and all the, all of those verified counts that were just retweeting and sharing white supremacist, anti-Semitic stuff. And he's yeah. Jewish. So he's like, how right. the fuck do these guys have a platform? And mm. he, this whole chapter, he talks about how he just called it all out. And it was really interesting and really cool. Mm. It, it, the Brock Turner thing made me think of that because he dresses some of that shit there too. But it was nice to hear him tell stories without his goofy laugh because normally when he's on a late night show, he yeah, he's playing the part. He's so high, he has to laugh at everything he says. Right. He's got some funny uh, LSD stories in there too. I think you'd appreciate But Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've read about it. You've read about LSD? Yeah. Yeah. I've read a book about LSD. I'm actually reading uh, the electric Kool-Aid acid test again. How, how many times is this now? You know, I, only like three, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I would have read it a lot earlier than I did. It yeah. would have saved me a lot of trouble, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly an instruction manual, but there's a lot of insight in there. Sure. And uh, Kesey was right. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, yeah. Seth Rogen's book. You got to listen to it. I think it's funny because yeah, they, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, you, you should do- totally listen to it. It's, it's a good time. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's very insightful. It's very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And it's also really poignant, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've always liked him. You know, I, I it's kind of, you know, I know that there's a deeper guy underneath what you see on the silver screen, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't formulate that level of production company and write that many hits right. hit movies by being without a by being a complete fucking loser you know yeah, what i mean yeah. mm-hmm. like it's kind of like you know jerry garcia right 
Yeah. Uh-huh. He he also uh he also calls out some hollywood names and puts their names on these stories that are it's pretty great oh okay yeah it's kind of there's some expose parts of it too so have we had the what the hell's the guy's name we're bumping up against time here but what's the guy the author bruce wagner have you read any of bruce wagner's stuff i don't think so no his one of his big books is called force majeure and there's a couple. Other oh, ones yeah. Too. I've heard of this. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Marin interviewed him a while back, so I read a couple of his books and they are dark, 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 dark stories, uh, all centered kind of around Hollywood. Is this the and, one where it's kind of fictitious, but yes. not fictitious? Yeah. Yes. And he, he weaves in a bunch of actual people. Yeah. In situations that may or may not actually have happened or, you know, it's kind of. Like it's very dreamlike in that mm-hmm. way. Like that could have happened, right? Yeah. They, I mean, there are. I'm not gonna even get into it. Other other than to say that if you haven't read some Bruce Wagner, I'm not gonna say do yourself a favor because that's not exactly <laughs> what's happening. Right. But if you really want to kind of experience the see the underworld, doesn't even begin to cap. It's just some of the most. I mean, it's complete. Like I had to just like I'm gonna shower or something. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's one of those where he's maybe making up the specifics, but you believe it because you're like, oh, this he's totally coming from ha- a place of this. Totally maybe have seen some of this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, the, the the actual scene might be fictitious, but the circumstances absolutely happen. Gotcha. Like one of them is about uh, there's a like a like a paparazzi squad only their whole thing is like beaver shots okay yeah mm-hmm. okay and so that's a whole and that exists it's a thing you know wow so yeah i'm like, gonna leave that there <laughs> see what i'm but i mean like that yeah i mean it's just like oh god yeah it's the train yeah. wreck i couldn't stop reading you know right mm-hmm. right Maybe anyway. I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll download one of those books and that'll be my um after after I get out of rehearsal this week at like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night as I'm driving back in the you dark. Oh, that'd be yeah. perfect, actually. Perfect. Take my mind off of things. Uh-huh. Put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put it right in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean sometimes sometimes after a, a you know a late night of rehearsal, I just need to just drive home with nothing on like i do that no, you know what i mean just let the mm-hmm. wind mm-hmm. howl in my car yeah yep. mm-hmm. back to the grind of back the, to the grind back to the back to the grind of my dream job how <laughs> fucking horrible i have all right. it all right we're trying to be better here joel yeah i'm gonna take my dog for a walk do some yoga want some football i'm gonna go to mind. lunch i'm gonna go to lunch with my mom i think Oh, nice. Where are you guys going to go? I don't know. We haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. Well, enjoy your lunch with your mom. I'm going to, buddy. It's nice to see you. I'm glad you made it back. Made it back. One piece. Driving in the rain pretty much most of the last two days kind of, you know, gets to your head. But yeah, we're alive. I love it. I love you. I love you too, Steve. I really do. We'll see you around. All right. We'll see you around. Later. I'd rather be in some dark Where the sun don't ever shine Then to be home alone Knowing that you're gone 